0: And thanks to Cry Malt, this is Radio Brews News. My name is Matt Kirkegaard, founder of Australian Brews News, and as ever, I'm joined by my good friend, colleague, and all-round good beer guy, Pete Mitchum. Pete, welcome back. G'day, Matt. G'day, listeners. Good to be back. Matt, man, a few
1: words? We've got plenty to, plenty to get through today, so I thought we'll neither dilly nor dally. We do have plenty to get through.
0: Uh, now, Prof, Ed, tried any new beers this week? Uh,
1: I did. I did try a couple, and I'm going to make mention of one because it's one that... No, actually, I didn't bag uh, because you weren't here. It didn't get. We I recorded it with James, and it didn't get up. Um, but I think I think you and I uh, discussed while I was up in Brisbane for the Eka. We noticed uh, Struman's organic beer. Yes. Had uh, had launched exclusive to uh, the Woolworths group, and I, I guess we were a little bit skeptical. Um, and the two things the, the two triggers, I guess that. Uh, alerted me to, um, to what might be uh, inverted commas wrong with this beer, um, uh, was the fact that one was a dry style and the other was a premium lager. Uh, and those two kind of catchphrases, I guess, always scare me a little bit, uh, because I look at who I think that, um, that, that being aimed at. yeah, exactly. So I wasn't overly, you know, sort of, but I thought, no, well, you know, you, you don't, Don't you can something unless you've you've tried it. So I tried it and I was very pleasantly surprised. Um, It's not a flavour bomb. It's not um, particularly, uh, you know, I don't know. There's nothing special about it. Uh, But it was a very well-produced beer. I'm pretty sure out of Brewpack. So our good friends at Brewpack, which is, I guess, what what you would expect. Um, But uh, very serviceable beer. So I thought I'd better mention that since I, not not that I should it, but that I, I it was better than I expected.
0: Nice one. Nice one. Well, I was uh, down at Port Macquarie on the weekend uh, doing a tasting as part of the tasting on Hastings um, at the Latin Loafer. Fantastic. If you're ever in Port Macquarie, head down to the Latin Loafer. They make just superb uh, uh, South American-style tapas. Um, the ceviche is particularly good. Um, but I was also down there and on the Sunday caught up with uh, the guys from Little Brewing Company um, caught up with a brewery that I hadn't really heard too much, if at all, about, uh, which was Moore Beer. Um, Ryan making his beers at uh, Hope Estate, um, so he's got Matt. Uh, Is it M O A R? M O O R E. All right, so Ryan Ryan Moore. I'd forgotten until we started talking about it that so I'm pretty sure that i'm remembering his name correctly and also alistair from black duck brewery so i got to try some of the uh, the local beers down there the um the little brewing company the beers as always were just rock solid um and the yeah it was, it was great to try the beers from uh, more brewing um who are about to put in a brewery opposite um in the industrial estate opposite little brewing company um so there'll be a little bit of a craft beer precinct and uh also, the black duck beers were tasting very nice. And he's also making some uh, gin and some vodka, um, which is interesting. And actually, it was a very nice gin, seeing more and more. Yeah, well, uh, after, uproot... after,
1: we, after we speak to our guests, we should um, make a note um, to perhaps talk about, you know, the possibility of precincts. So that's a really good kind of, you know, interesting that um, you're getting, whereas other businesses or industries might see that as competition. Um, it's, it's good to bring people to a, I guess, to a new um, location or a new region. And give them something new with more than one opportunity or
0: one one more than one offering.
1: I'll just make a note.
0: Yeah, make a note. Um, another news profit, you mentioned uh, just before we went to air uh, that you'd read a story in which uh, Carlos de the head of Megabrew, Megacorp, anheuser Busch Imbev, uh, suggested that beer drinkers may not be you know, may be a little bit over all of this choice.
1: Yeah. Is, is he suggesting perhaps that we're overwhelmed with choice or that really we just want more of the same?
0: Ooh, I, I, I don't know. We, we both were frantically looking for the article that had come through our Facebook feed um, and we, we couldn't find it. But look, I, 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 he's created a lot of uh, comments and Stephen Beaumont, um, the Canadian beer writer, uh, friend of the show, um, you know, made the comment uh, on Twitter that he possibly didn't agree with that. I actually, you know, it's something that I have been watching for a while, Prof. I think that, you know, and actually I alluded to it when I was in um, Italy, that, you know, walking into a bar that's got 30 beers on tap, none of which you recognise, it can be a little bit overwhelming. Um, And you you do see it, you know, when you're in uh, bars, people walk in, there may be four or five craft beers on tap, and then, you know, a couple of the the, the classics, um, you, you see them walk in and... Yeah, you know, the eyes flip left to right, trying to work out something they recognise, and then they dive down the hole that that they feel safe, and maybe order the Heineken or the Prony. Um, that if uh, you know if you're not aware and you're not in the craft beer world, um, sometimes there's security in what you know.
1: Um, yep, yep, and it does it does show it highlights how important brand recognition is, how how having a a strong and I guess unambiguous brand um, can often can often help or or break down that first barrier. It'll get people to at least come up. Oh, okay, there's something there that I I'm familiar with, even yeah. if they don't know. You know what what the style is. They go, okay, I know that brand.
0: Yeah, and, but I mean, I even find myself um, these days. You know, every now and then, walking into a bottle shop, seeing a range of beers that I've never tried before, and you know, only vaguely know of it, and think, and and, and catch myself thinking, mm, you know. Nine dollars what what if it's another, you know, subpar beer? Um yeah, there are there are a lot of beers that are, you know, big and bold and brash but don't necessarily you know, aren't good aren't great beers, if you know what I mean? Um Yeah. And and you sort of do get that little bit of you know, do I do I wanna risk it? Well, that's why you
1: go to a, a reputable um bar that I guess, you know one that we would recommend here on Brews News um, because, you know, they'll give you a bit of a squirt uh, to taste it before.
0: Oh, know, well, they they sure. will, but if you're a bottle shop, for example. Ah, um, oh, yes. Yeah. So, you know, and bottle shops tend to have a broader selection because most venues don't have, you know, 70... 70- Taps, which is perhaps you could, perhaps good, you could good. Google the brand on, you know, either Australian Brews
1: News or our friends over at the Crafty Pint or something like that and uh, and, and get a bit of an idea of what it, you know, you what the beer can, might taste but like.
0: Then again, you know, it, it's one of those things that when you jump on the rating sites, uh, you know, it, it, it's sometimes. Um,
1: yeah, you look for trends. Get, you, discount you, the top one, discount the bottom one, and then just have a look for, you know, the, the middle ground.
0: But even so, I find that there's a lot of, you know, some breweries just have you know hype in abundance um more than they probably should but <laughs> Yeah, anyway. very possible but along the same uh, along the same lines uh, there was an article on Thrillist um an interview with Anthony Bourdain the chef uh, I'm a huge fan of uh, his work um and I know Sorry. that he's upset a lot of uh, people in the restaurant biz over the years um so it probably shouldn't surprise us that he that when he comments on things like beer, he might say some things that upset a lot of people as well. And of course he has. Um, and the, the question was, I read somewhere that based on some drinking on the show, you were getting flamed online from beer snobs. Does that happen often? A lot. I would say that the angriest critiques I get from people about shows when I'm drinking whenever convenient cold beer is available in a in a particular place, and not drinking the best beer out there. You know, I haven't made the effort to walk down the street 10 blocks to the microbrewery where they're making some fucking Mumford & Sons IPA. People get all bent about it. But look, I like cold beer and I like to have a good time. I don't like to talk about beer, honestly. I don't like to talk about wine. I like to drink beer. If you bring me a really good one, a craft beer, I'll enjoy it and say so, but I'm not going to analyse it. I was in San Francisco and I was desperate for beer and walked into this place. I thought it was an old bar and I sat down and I looked up and I noticed there was a wide selection of beers I'd never heard of, which is fine. Okay, I'm in some sort of brew pub. What's good? But I looked around. The entire place was filled with people sitting there with five small glasses in front of them filled with different beers taking notes. That's not a bar. That is a fucking invasion of the body snatchers. That is wrong. This is not what a bar is about. A bar is to go and get a little bit buzzed and pleasantly derange the senses and have a good time, interact with other people or make bad decisions or feel bad about your life. It's not there to sit there fucking analyzing beer. It's anti-ethical. And over to you listeners. Discuss. Yeah, discuss. So have you got anything to say about that prof?
1: I think he's got, I think he makes a very good point. Um, I think it's just as bad to be a beer snob as it is to be a beer yob. Uh, And I've said that before. And, yeah, sometimes just you know if you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with, kind of thing. Um, and and when in Rome, all those sorts of cliches. Uh, I, look, I, I don't agree to a, a, to a, to a point, um, and I'm guilty of being the same with wine. you know it just it has no interest to me it just doesn't do it for me. Um, I guess I have enough tools in the toolbox now that I can enjoy beer on different levels. And certainly in a different way to that, which I did, you know, when I was younger and got my drinker's license. Um, but, you know, there wasn't the choice back then. Now there is. Um, so I think there's still a time for, uh, yeah, not not so much over over analysis. Um, and certainly if you're in company, it, it's like everyone getting together um, to have a, a special night out and then I'm all sitting with your heads in your phones. Yes. Um I think sometimes just drink, just, you know, just be like Abe Simpson and just eat the goddamn orange.
0: (laughs) And and, and as I've said at infinitum, sort of, you know, weep when I feel that beer has become like those nights out at a restaurant where you've got that one friend who is the wine expert and everyone just passes the wine list down to him and doesn't order what they might actually want lest they be judged. Um, You know, it, it's it's a hedonistic pursuit, not an intellectual one, um, and I think you can over intellectualise it when you should just be enjoying it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And if you're worried about what other people think about what you're drinking, then you're possibly in the wrong company.
0: You might be doing it. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's right. And if, there, if there's only one peanut who keeps doing that, here's the tip: stop inviting him <laughs> or her. Sorry, did I just assume his gender?
0: Oh, I, yeah. Anyway, we'll, we'll get letters. I'll forward them to I'll you.
1: Anthony Bourdain, I guess we talked about him. I can't remember. I've got a note written here for some reason to, yeah, but we've mentioned Anthony Bourdain now. All right. Anything else? Who are we talking to today, Prof? I think. Who are we talking to? Today we are talking to Steve Sir Hendo Henderson, or better known as Hendo. Uh, Although I did get to meet Hendo's father, who introduced himself to me as Hendo, the original Hendo. (laughs) Oh, okay. Smack down your son. so, so yeah, so uh, so do we have to start calling to Hendo, Hendo. Junior from now on? Yeah, well, very possibly. Uh, at least, at least while John's around. Sorry, not John. It's Hendo. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, we're going to talk to Hendo uh, about some plans that he's got, which I think uh, our listeners will find very exciting, interesting, and of great value.
0: And as always, we started uh, the interview, and I just realised that we didn't because we've already recorded this, but we started by asking Hendo who is steve henderson but we forgot to ask him Pacey's poser we might have to uh fire that off but anyway we we did start by asking him who is steve henderson
2: oh gosh um well i am uh steve henderson is my alter ego i'm actually hendo uh and i am uh one of the partners of brookholt
0: Partners, because uh, I mean, you are the face, the, the bald head behind uh, Um who, who else is involved?
2: Uh, so my, um, well, we've actually got, a, it's really good now. We've got a growing team. So um, uh, my business partner is uh, Troy Taylor. And um, uh, a few of you, your uh, listeners might know him. He was the gentleman who started uh, the Poorhouse craft beer bar up in Maitland in New South Wales. Um, and so he started that pub, rebuilt it after it was closed for like twenty odd years, um, built the business up, sold it, was looking for another venture in craft beer, and uh, we uh, had a conversation, and um, it was quite a quite a fruitful conversation. And uh, now he's a he's a stakeholder in Brewcult. before you came
0: to Brewcult, you've obviously uh, you worked for a couple of breweries. We spoke to you last, I think, when you were when you head brewer at Southern Bay.
2: Yep, that's right, yep.
0: But before that, you worked at Prickly Moses uh, with Luke down there and uh, you've done a couple of other tours of duty at other breweries. Tell us how you came to brewing in the first place.
2: Um, So I um, studied the graduate certificate in brewing at uh, University of Ballarat, now known as Federation University, Um, and I was sort of doing that externally whilst I was still an IT engineer, and um, uh, and then I decided I'd get out of IT, and so I went and spent a year with my brother Ian, and was making vinegar for a year, a uh, year or so, uh, up in the Granite Belt up in Queensland. And There's then, a few
0: brewers who are still doing that. What's that, making, making vinegar? Or... <laughs> yeah, making vinegar. Oh. Sorry.
2: <laughs> um, so, and then... Um, uh and then uh, decided i'd finish my degree and, and start uh start become a professional brewer. So um yeah I've I've worked uh quite extensively with a number of brands uh in the industry um but the ones that I've sort of worked for myself uh would be uh Preetly Moses Southern Bay and then starting Brew So yeah but if I if if I, I, I don't think I could name the Dozens and dozens of, of brewers and brands that I've been associated with over over the over the years. You know, a lot of that's come through the the contract brewing thing at Southern Bay, and um, um, I, do, I still I still uh, run the um, Brownstone Microbrewery down at the Atura Hotel in uh, Dandenong, um, and um, I find that's a really good training uh, facility. So I've got. Um, Uh, Ben Hetherington who's brewing for me down there at the moment and uh, he's doing really good and yeah it's pretty good.
0: But just to to take a bit of a sideways step you you had a background in IT I've noticed over the years I've remarked over the years that there seems to be an inordinate number of people coming out of the world of uh, IT and engineering um, setting up breweries Is, is that something you've noticed and is there any reason behind that do you
2: think? Yeah, I've I've noticed that trend and and, um, uh, you're absolutely right. I think, you know, um, I think I heard someone say once that all brewers are engineers and, um, you know, I can't speak for all of the other sort of former engineers that have become brewers, um, but I know for myself, you know, coming from an engineering background and, you know, what I sort of, what made me sort of, Leave it was when you're doing engineering, um, you know, it's very sort of analytical and process thinking, um, you know, a lot of problem solving, and it's still like that in brewing. And I and I do enjoy that aspect of things, you know, um, but with brewing, you get the um, the the, the added sort of pleasure of, of the sort of creative, I don't know if it's your left or your right brain, but the creative aspect of it where I can go. You know what colors can I create? What flavors and aromas can I create? And it's um, it's not um, it's it's the it's the polar opposite of 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 being an analytical or doing an analytical job. I still love you know um, the analytical side of brewing. You know I get to do pumps and pipes and pressures and temperatures and microbiology and um, all that sort of stuff, which I find fascinating. But I really like the creative aspect as well. So um i suppose it brings a bit of zen balance <laughs> to your you your probably argue, you could
1: probably argue too Hendo, that um at least when you're brewing uh when somebody else does take your job it's more likely to be somebody local
2: um, whereas,
1: if, whereas if you stay in it you know long enough you'll, you'll oh, end up yeah. handing your job over to somebody offshore so oh
2: yeah that's true i mean um I suppose, yeah, you can't really be outsourced um, without sort of you can't outsource a brewer without taking away um, the um, the benefits that you get, the the massive benefits you get from being local and and um, living and, and drinking a product close to your 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 own brewery in your own town. If if that's what work, if that's what's working really well in this industry, so yeah. And while we're talking about
1: um, IT, we probably should also give a shout-out to uh, the the brewery where you're doing a lot of your brewing at the moment. For those who, who don't know, uh, not only are you um, a gypsy brewer, but you are the current Australian champion gypsy brewer
2: at That's the AIBAs. Yeah, it's pretty cool, hey? <laughs> yeah. I
1: still so of it. Of course, phrase at, at exit, ex, exit being, you know, ex-IT. X-T, X-T, yeah. um, a couple of IT guys as well, and you're you're doing a bit of brewing with them.
2: So, um, so the, the the we have a really interesting arrangement. I I, I really love it at the moment. Um, so, uh, quite recently, so the the with the brewery that we brew out of at the moment, we call Dandy South Massive. Okay, and so um, it's it's really just a name for the brewery. Um, and the the current setup is is that um, the stakeholders in that brewery in that premises and the equipment is uh, Kaiju beer um, and Exit Brewing. Um, So they, between them, they effectively uh, own the brewery um, and Nat from Kaiju and Grum from Exit, they're working on the floor on the brewery, uh, doing all of the day-to-day production. Um, The brewery um, only came online, uh, I think we're just on a year ago. I think the first beer came out of there in November last year. Um, it's an amazing brewery. It's, it's, it's real sort of, it's all a lot of the, the kit when we first started was all Italian kits. So it's like, it's like driving a Ferrari. And, um, um, and so, you know, after, a, a works is, uh, Kaiju and Exit, uh, the stakeholders in the brewery and, um, and I sort of act as the, um, production manager there. So, uh, I really, I don't get to work on the floor, but uh, um, but that's why I go and do the brewing over at the uh, Brownstone Brewery so I can actually get my hands, get on the tools. Um, and so uh, what I do is I do things like the production planning, procurement, um, uh, as much as possible within the bounds of the limited amount of time that I've got, especially at the moment. Um, and Nat and Grum do an amazing job uh, on the floor because, you know, as is with any brewery, there's always teething problems with it. And, um, you know, they've worked really hard to get some really good product outcomes. Um, you know, a case in point is what happened with the, um, with the Champion Gypsy Brewer Award thing at the ARBA. So we did, um, you know, um, we had a few quality issues sort of in the first quarter of uh, this year. Um, and a lot of it was revolving around the fact that, that, um, um, you know, Nat in particular didn't have enough time and, you know, troubleshooting problems in order to say, to to take on an overseeing role and he wanted to focus on those things. And so I sort of stepped in, in about March or April, um, and I just took on, we put in some really basic quality management, you know, um, um. Uh, you know SOPs, uh, procedures, and we did a little bit of basic um, scheduling, production scheduling, and um, um, pretty much within six weeks, we sort of doubled the the output of the of the brewery on a month to month basis. But then we also did um, batches of Thanks, Captain Obvious and uh, and Cthulhu on the Moon, which both went on to win uh, gold medals at the ARBA. So um, you know we we had a really quick and really fruitful sort of outcome there, um, you know, with with what we were doing. And so, yeah, we decided that we would um, sort of continue on with that and that's kind of how it operates today.
1: With that, Hendo, um, in terms of the, I guess, that, that business model, is that the way forward for craft beer, do you think, in this country? Because when you look at it, there are lots of breweries opening up. You've effectively got three breweries, all sharing the same equipment, mm-hmm. which you know, who in another, um, uh, you know, situation would all have their own kit to still produce. I guess you know, in the initial stages, at least, the same amount of beer. Is this a? Is this the way forward? Do you think to, to for sort of I guess sharing of of um, of kit?
2: Yeah. Look, this is really the the second iteration of. Um... Kaiju Exit and Brew working together. Uh, we were all under the one roof when we were over at um, uh, Cavalier, but it was a very different uh, model uh, where we each had our own tanks and we all did our own brewing and we all did our own packaging, and it was very separate. And um, when um, when we started um, things down at when when Kaiju and Exit started things down at Dandy South Massive. You know, they decided that it was going to be a little bit more of a a close knit, um, um, you know, a close closer knit um, arrangement. Um, and then when I needed um, production capacity, and I got in touch with them, um, you know, we sort of decided not to operate the as as separate, you know, completely separate entities, whilst under the under the roof of the, you know, of the, the four whilst within the four walls of the brewery. Um, and so what happens is, um, by collaborating on, um, things like, um, um, standard operating procedures, um, procurement, uh, on quality management, um, what happens is we're able to, to, um, uh, improve everybody's product that comes out of that, uh, out of Dandy South Massive, um, and, um. Uh, we're also able to, um, you know, we we actually uh, in the early stages of starting to go to suppliers now, um, and um, group buy, and that gives us a um, a price benefit, so we can actually sort of be more competitive in in a in a growing marketplace.
0: And now you've also, whilst you're uh, in partnership with your brewery, you've uh, just in the final throes of opening a a venue that is going to be your consumer facing home.
2: Yeah, so it's very exciting. Uh, we are um, a day uh, well, a week and one day, eight days away from opening Brucot Bar, which is going to be at five eighty one Sydney Road in Brunswick in Melbourne. Um, and it's very exciting. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that um, that Brewkolt Bar is Australia's first gypsy brewer bar. Um, and, you know, um, at BrewCot, we're pretty proud of our Gypsy Brewer heritage. Um, we don't have any plans to change it. Um, and, you know, we're not in, in the, the phase right now within the business of, of building a brewery, um, but we did want to have, um, you know, a customer facing venue where, you know, um, we could we could solve that problem of people coming up to uh, myself or, or or Troy and and saying hey where can I try all the beers, and we never had an answer to that because we don't have anywhere either on you know on tap or even a bottle shop that actually has all the beers, um, and so we've we've solved that by creating our own, and so uh, BrewCop Bar is primarily going to be a um, uh, a space where people can. Um, Uh, touch with the the brand it's um, it's mainly for locals Um, and we but you know at the same time if you're a seasoned beer geek um, you know there's something there for you as well Um, we've got um, uh, 10 we've just installed a 10 tap draft system um, which is pretty cool Um, and so we'll have the four uh, brewcock core range beers uh, one or maybe two of the seasonals um, that um, uh, that uh, we might happen to have out at any one time, uh, which means we'll have at least three or sometimes four guest taps um, and uh, and a uh, cider tap, and then bottles and then, you know, bullet um, we'll bottles as well and things that, that complement sort of what's on tap. So I guess what we're thinking with regards to the, the beer offering is we want it to be best of breed. Um, we've got a really good core range. It's really sessionable and approachable. Um, we'll have guest taps, which sort of, which sort of will fill gaps where brew doesn't uh, sit at any time. Um, and then the, the, the bottle list, for example, will sort of, you know, head off into other styles, maybe Belgians, maybe big stouts, um, maybe road back tinnies. Cause they're pretty cool. And um uh, and then, you know, but for example, in the, in the bottle um, selection, we, 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 unless it's, um, you know, super fresh and awesome, um, we probably wouldn't put like an IPA or a double IPA in the fridge um, and have it sit there and age. Uh, so we'll just do the things that will age well in our fridge um, or keep well. And uh, yeah, and then we'll have a pretty, pretty basic food offering. Um, So we're, it's it's pretty cool, actually. It's just beer food. We're just going to be doing uh, pizza, wings, chips, all that sort of thing. Um, And um, it's got a really rad beer garden out the back and it's got a great function space upstairs. So it's a cool place.
1: I was just going to say, Matt. For uh, perhaps for your Brisbane listeners, um, if you think kind of the 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 uh, the warm but um, I guess kind of rustic feel of say the mill on Constance um, in Sydney, perhaps it's a, a little bit a lot. It's got a bit of a, a tap house vibe, uh, exposed brick and and all that sort of thing. And and for those in Melbourne, it's. Um, it's It's one of two styles that you get in Sydney Road, I guess, Hendo in Brunswick. It's either it's, um,
2: very it's one bright of Victorian building. so um, the, what we're doing with the decor of it is we're we're keeping the um the the exposed brick, but then it's going to get overlaid with a lot of um, bright colours. So we're using a sort of corporate bright blue colour behind the bar and up in the upstairs area. And then um, we've commissioned a really awesome artist, um, Emma Livingston, um, who's, she's done some of the artwork at the Scratch Bar in Brisbane. um, And um, she's done this amazing um, mural piece, which is going to get mounted at the end of the week. So it's about two metres tall and about five metres long and um so we'll 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 sort of reveal that on social media in the coming days as it as the piece gets completed, but she's been working for weeks on that it's been um it's been really cool to watch that come together um and uh yeah that's just gonna make it a really cool bright vibrant st- space but whilst keeping with its sort of victorian heritage you
0: know how much of the the the, the bar you know a lot of um uh gypsy brewers talk about we're going to uh, open a brewery, you know, we're going to build our own brewery. Um, And you've gone another way. You've gone uh, an outlet for your beer. How much of that, if any, um, is because you recognise that the margins that come from having your own retail space, you know, the the, the, the brew bar approach that a lot of our craft brewers are going. I um, mean, there is increasing competition for uh, taps that you're not going to get a full showcase of your beers um, at, you know, other bars around the country.
2: Yeah, look, I mean, I, I don't, um, um, you know, make any secret of the fact that, you know, part of the decision for opening the bar is to actually have a retail space, which... Um, you know, if 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 uh, if you draw a comparison with, with um, uh, other breweries that go and open a brew pub or a cellar door or something like that, it's a very important part of the business that helps to sustain and grow the business. Um, and we did look at opening a brew pub in Brunswick, um, in in a location not too far away from where the bar is, um, but um, because it's inner city Melbourne. Um, the local councils tend to be very, um, it's a lot of town planning and a lot of process to build a manufacturing facility in what is normally a residential area uh, and the cost associated with that is quite prohibitive. We could have built a brewery out in an industrial estate and um, be making our own beer and and probably having a, a cellar door or a brew pub, but wouldn't have been accessible um so that's why we sort of went well how can we best um bring that retail space to the business um in a way that it's quite efficient in terms of getting it set up and up and running we've only been we've been working on this project for six months now um as opposed to probably over a year 18 months nearly two years it takes to build a brewery and um it's, it's in a location that's extremely accessible. I mean, um, we're, we've got Anstey Station on the upfield line, which is right at the back of the bar, more or less, a block away. And then we've got the number 19 tram, which goes up Sydney Road, which literally stops at the door, at the front door of the bar. Um, and I think that gives, um, you know, the punters something that's a lot more accessible than having to, um, you know, trudge all the way out to... Um, Uh, you know, an industrial state somewhere that's not very well connected, may not be very well connected with public transport. You don't drive to a brewery. That's like, that's silly. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, Is this going to be the first of many? Do you see it as being something that will expand, Uh, you know, maybe a brew cult Brisbane?
2: It's something that, it's certainly something that that Troy and I have have spoken about. Um, Not at great length because we're just trying to get this bar up and running first Um, And what we're really focusing on at the moment is, you know, firstly seeing if the format for a gypsy brewer owning a bar works and getting that format right and getting the offering right. Um, And we've got a really good uh, bar manager, Matt Hoffman. Um, who is uh, ex, another, another ex Brisbaneite? I seem to be important.
0: He's a Brisbane a mean, boy uh, from the scratch. Well, yeah. he, he very uh, very well associated with the scratch bar, which is one of our uh, leading yeah,
2: bars. Indeed, yeah. So so Matt's got a great pedigree. You know, he's um, uh, he uh, has worked at the scratch bar. He was the uh, manager over at the Park Hotel in Werribee. Um, he was working behind the bar um, with our good friends at Bad Shepherd down in Cheltenham, down the south side in Melbourne here. Um, and so, um, he really impressed, um, Troy at, uh, when he come and, uh, came and volunteered with, um, with us and worked on the Colt stand at Gab's early this year here in Melbourne. Um, and, um, you know, Troy said to me, oh, this, this guy's pretty good. He really, he relates to the, to the punters really well. And, and he does it in a way that is very welcoming and, and, um, and warm, and funny and you know lighthearted and I said yeah that's exactly what I like about him because he um, he he's just he's he's a pretty chill guy and he knows how to serve beer well and that's what we want to do in uh, and he, and he does it in a way that's not highbrow or hoity toity or anything like that he's and that's the vibe that we want to present with the bar um, Matt's really the key to the personality of the brand going forward because he's the person who's going to give um, the punters that that brand experience, you know, um, in, a, in a face-to-face way. I mean, up until now, um, you know, Brookhot has pretty much been the Hendo show and that's about to dramatically change. And I'm really looking forward to the direction uh, of where of how the brand is going to evolve from here. Looking
0: a little bit broader um, than the bar, what's your read of the uh, direction that craft beer is headed, um, or you know, the the beer movement is headed. Um, we've, Prof and I talked in our uh, intro a little bit about some of the suggestions uh, this week that uh, consumers are being overwhelmed by choice, or that bottle shop shelves are becoming a little bit too crowded, um, and that we are going to see a little bit of a uh, trailing off in uh, you know demand for for craft beer. What's your um, feel about it?
2: Oh, I don't. I think that we're going to see um, a trailing off of demand of of craft beer. Um, I think we're going to continue to see growth here in Australia um, for now. Um, I know that, you know, with our friends in the United States, particularly with some of the bigger brewers, they're going through a bit of a consolidation period uh, where some of the bigger brewers, um, you know, that have national distribution, uh, are being sort of, um, you know, facing competition from the hyper-local breweries. Um, and we're not there yet with that sort of issue, I don't think. Um, but when you talk about um, what, uh, when, when a market is getting crowded, I think what we as craft brewers need to do is to, um, we need to sort of get back to our roots and start bringing craft beer to a broader audience the market's getting crowded, in you know and and there's no there's no denying that. Um, but it's getting crowded in, in the places that are already serving craft beer. What about all the new places? What about all of the outer suburb areas? You know, like um, if I think about the the suburbs where um, you know Brookhot product is distributed, it's mainly the inner northern suburbs of um, of Melbourne, with a little bit of a smattering around the rest of Melbourne you know a little bit in the west side a little bit in the southeast um you know in sydney it's very um it's it's a it's a it's a very broad smattering but it seems to be focused quite heavily on um, cbd um, um Surry hills newtown uh and that sort of thing um brisbane is going through a really um, interesting phase at the moment in fact that's brisbane's probably um I think is is probably the most vibrant and 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 will sustain you know see sustained growth because you know there's craft beer bars sort of opening up all across um, the town and there's um, craft beer bottle shops opening up or or, or um, the the range in bottle shops is expanding and it's heading out into the suburbs and doing so at a pretty good rate um, so you know that that's that's my sort of take on it is that we need to to, to Stop trying to sell um, new breweries to the places that are already doing um, craft beer, and and go and find new um, new customers out there. They're out there; they just haven't tried you, yet.
0: So, so you don't see craft beer as being a uh, metropolitan thing? Um, you know, it, it's it's not in there with the turmeric lattes and the you know uh, things that are a little bit fashionable and uh trendy you know you, it, it, if you move out of the uh in a city um you don't start seeing quite the same level of uh, novelty plates for example you don't see the slates you don't see the wood that are high fashion in in the city you, you don't see craft beers fitting into some of those urban uh trends you, well, you hope, think that there's a future of it out west you know out western queensland for example
2: i hope it does Um, I hope we do get out west in Western Queensland. I hope we do um, start to grow into, um, you know, um, rural and regional um, Australia, um, you know, as well as the outer suburbs of the major metropolitan cities. Because at the end of the day, you know, um, uh, we're just, you know, you can't just be, we can't all be beer geeks. The people are going to have differing um, interest in craft beer But I think um, there will always be a growing market for people who want to try good beer. And and just on on the flip side, there will always be people who will just drink Carlton Draft or VB or or Forex Gold. Um, You know, it's just gonna be, as long as we as brewers sort of aim to market ourselves as being accessible, um, if that's what your your brand mantra is, um, then be accessible. Um, if you want to do, if you want to start a brewing company and you want to service the beer geeks, um, and the beer geeks only and, and do your, um, burnt horsehair barrel age triple IPA, then go for it. Um, but focus on your niche. Um, I mean, like the analogy I like to use is that, you know, we're all, you know, us brewers, we're all like kids playing in a sandpit, and, um, the sand pit is growing in size, um. And you can come and play. you just got to find your place in the sandpit where you're not kicking sand in other kids' faces. That's a really good analogy, is sand...
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well, what, what, what part of the sandpit is Brewkolt playing in? It constantly changes. Um, Whoever will have
1: him.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, like I've I, I pretty much remained pretty true to, um, you know, for the, the three and a half, nearly four years that Brewkolt's been running, um, is that... Um, um, we op- we. I like to, to play in the space of the beers that I like to drink. And, you know, um, I think that the people that, that identify with the BrewCult brand, um, you know, the beer geeks love it. The people that are new to craft beer find it accessible. We're not trying to, uh, we don't create a lot of um, extreme beers or only extreme beers, um, but we're not trying to convert people to off, mainstream beer to craft beer either. Um, the people who identify with brew cult, they're already drinking craft beer. We don't need to try and convert them, um, but we can sort of grab grab someone who's pretty bit of a novice in craft beer and say, hey, you know, you've, you've had that, um, that um, uh, mountain goat or the little creatures or the four pines. Hey, come and take another step along this way. Come and try this flavour or this style. And, um, you know, and that's why... Um, you know, we've done a few extreme beers and most of them, them have been revolved around Gab's festival, but, you know, BrewCot's never released a double IPA and, um, um, and that's mainly because I just don't drink a lot of it. You know, um, I, I like the style. I just don't drink a lot of double IPA, but give me something that I can, I just enjoy drinking beer by the pint with my, with my mates and, um, and that really reflects in the in the styles that Brewcult makes.
0: Well, mate, what what's the uh, next beer that you can that you can tell us about that you will be coming from uh, Brewcult?
2: Yeah, pretty excited to uh, we we I've just got all the uh, all the ducks lined up, so we're going to re-release Can't Fight the Funk Farmhouse IPA in. It's probably going to be early December, so it'll definitely be before Christmas, and that was the first beer in the psychedelic series. Um, so it's 6.2% farmhouse IPA. We fly the yeast in from the States, especially for this beer. Um, and um, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun to make. And it's a really smashable 6.2% beer. Um, and I, I'm just, yeah, I'm stoked that we're re-releasing it. And then um, I've got a few, um, a few tricks up my sleeve. Um, as soon as this, uh, this bar is up and running... Um, the good thing about having having the bar is that we can start to um, increase the um, the innovation um, within Brewcult again. We we did a really good job, sort of, you know, getting a four beer core range up and running, uh, but then that sort of made the seasonal beer um, releases slow down a bit. We're pretty happy with our core range now, so we're going to start to ramp up the seasonal releases again. Um, so, for example. Um, you know, this year we've only done two new beers, that being Gingerbread Maniac and Bloodsucking Geeks, which is our Sydney Craft Beer Week collab, uh, which has only just come out. Next year I'd like to do, you know, five to ten new beers um, at least. And, you know, we'll be on a firm footing to be able to start to do that. I'll have to fire up my Browmeister and everything. It's going to be cool. <laughs> Well, oh,
0: mate, we can't wait to uh, to try those and uh, look forward to getting down and checking out the uh, Brewcolt Bar in a little over a week.
2: I look forward to um, um, for, to all the punters coming and stopping by uh, our our bar in Brunswick and having a beer and a, some pizza or some wings and have a good time. And, um, Prof, thank you so much for your help on our busy bee day last, last weekend. It was uh, very much appreciated. I'm very grateful.
1: Mate, any working bee that uh, pays you in pizza and beer, um, yeah, sign me up.
2: <laughs> awesome, thanks, Matt.
1: Good on you, Hendo. Good luck with it, mate.
0: Yeah, thanks, guys. In a garden, what a garden. Brews News is made possible by Brewpack, Australia's number one craft contract brewer. There you go, Steve Hendo Henderson from Brewcult. Cult. Uh, mate, always good to chat to uh, to Hendo, Prof. Yeah, it's been a little while. As I say, It's it's been a few iterations ago, and
1: and I just thought since uh, it, it, the last two years, I think, or at least the last uh, last year, um, the Gypsy champion Gypsy brewer uh, wasn't awarded. So this was this year's was the the first, um, and Hendo was lucky enough to, oh, sorry, his beers were good enough um, that he. Took that, and then to have this uh, next step being taken, I thought it was a good opportunity to sort of, um, I guess, illustrate to to some of the brewers out there, or more importantly, to the you know potential startups, people who are thinking about it, um, that there's there, there's more than one way to skin a cat. And I think you know we've spoken a little bit on Brews News about, uh, I guess, supply um, overrunning demand. And I think anywhere where, and, and Hendo mentioned uh, during his chat there, uh, the Bad Shepherd um, who have uh, linked up with um, with Wolf of the Willows. Um, so sharing that equipment, sharing the logistics. And like Hendo said, you know, when you, when you get smart enough, you then get big enough that you can get discounts on your raw materials and that sort of thing. Whereas the same three breweries all operating on their own, um I guess chew up more resources than than what they perhaps need to. And while some brands want to have that uh I guess that independence, um, with others, you know, if you can work and play together well, um, it's a it's a good model and I just thought it was worth sharing with our listeners.
0: Yeah, and it's fascinating. What's I mean, what's your feeling about um, gypsy brewers and contract brewers because we're, we're seeing, you know, at, at a time when there's a lot of physical breweries opening which, uh, you know, people are investing a lot of money we're also seeing, you know, probably two for one in the uh, virtual breweries um, opening. World, yeah what, What's what's your thoughts?
1: Oh look, I um, uh, I guess in, I, I fear for them, for, for many of them because I think you've really got to nail consistency and quality, first of all um, but almost hand in hand with that, you've then also got to be heard above the noise. So your marketing, your labelling, your image, your brand, um, your story needs to be really strong. And I just I, I worry a little bit for for some trying to oh look I'm a gypsy brewer therefore I can send my beers all over the country. And we spoke about this last podcast. I, I, I'd rather see us like Hendo says out here in in um, in Melbourne sort of southeast there's nothing there's a couple of bars um we've got and god love them the the public brewery out at Croydon um but then it's sort of you're you're talking a 40 minute drive to um I guess your you know your Hargraves hills your um you know out into the into the Yarra valley and um and and for you know into, into your regional sort of areas there's plenty of room out here for somebody to be doing something um and I, I just think there's a lot of green space and i, I talking to hendo there or listening to hendo i really got the impression that what's missing is we're still talking about craft beer and we're talking about why, what it isn't. Um, it, it, and, and it's, you know, comparing it to Carlton draft or whatever it might be. I, I think maybe we start, we need to start rejigging our thinking a little bit and just offering somebody a beer and just say, what is it, mate? What kind of, what, what kind of beer? Mate, it's just beer. Just try it. Um, because I think we then break down some of those misconceptions about oh it's craft beer, therefore it's gonna be puffy, it's gonna be fruity, it's gonna be, you know, uh, funky and all the rest of it, not I won't get it. Um if you just put a beer in someone's hands, so, oh it's just a just a pale ale. Because everyone knows pale ale now. That's pale ale. Yeah. Pale ale, not pale ale. <laughs> Go on. What do you think? Am I being too harsh? I'm not wishing any particular ill will on any of these brands, but I think you just need to tread carefully. No, no, look,
0: I agree, you know, I think if you've got a strong brand and you you're finding your niche, um you know, good luck to you. I, I my fear is that you do get a lot of and this follows a little bit on from the Anthony Bourdain um stuff uh that we talked about in the intro. Uh you know, he said in one of his I think his first book, you know, there there are a lot of people remember who remember to talk about <laughs> so I'm just
1: writing myself notes so that when we record the
0: intro, we mention that. <laughs> Got it. Oh, sorry, giving away the magic. <laughs> um, yeah, but he he talked about the you know the uh phenomenon of people who love to cook. They're very good. You know, they have great dinner parties. And everyone says, "Oh, you should open a restaurant." Um, and next thing they've opened a restaurant, and and know, everything we loved about what they did, it gets
1: lost. in, yeah. the, in the fact that you. Restaurant, yeah. yeah, and
0: and you know, just enjoying cooking them, yeah, and making right. nice food is, to some Enough extent, the, the smallest part of of what you do, um and you know there, there are some and yeah, so so I worry about the number of guys who think I love this home brewing, everyone loves my beer, I can turn this into a in, into a business, um, and, and the other thing is I you know, and, and I raised it with Hendo is that there are a whole lot of unexplored territories uh, for beer, as I said. But, yeah, when you go out west uh, into Western Queensland, um, Great Northern is the beer that they drink. You can give them some of this other stuff and it doesn't exactly fire the imagination. Um, And and it is a a hard sell getting these people in. And you you do tend to see when somebody does go in and blaze a new trail, Suddenly, there's a whole lot of people coming in behind them. Um, I want to be,
1: yeah, I want to be next.
0: Hey, that was a great idea. I should have uh set up there because there's obviously demand there. And next thing you've got four or five bars now. Sometimes that's great because you create the precinct, sometimes it uh, you know, almost strangles the um, you You
1: cannibalize each other, yeah,
0: yeah. So, I mean, look at as I said, you know. Good luck to anybody um, who, who does it, um, but I don't think, yeah, I, I don't think it. this, uh, you know, kumbaya, everything is wonderful. It's just onwards and upwards for, for beer is is the way you should be approaching it.
1: Oh, for sure. And look, it, it, at its very essence, um, this whole craft beer thing, inverted commas, is very collaborative. It is very supportive. It It is a very non-competitive. But when you're in a bar um trying to trying to sell an account and it's it's you versus somebody else you're not going to back them you you, you've got to you've got to back your own horse in the race so you know when when the rubber hits the road um at the end of the day you you've got to look after your shareholders now whether that's you know you and your business partner whether it's you and your family or uh you know your mum and dad's money or whatever it might be um it's just a natural thing you've got to look after yourself. So I think um, good luck to Hendo and, and his crew. He's got a great crew on board. Um, I don't know, you know, what's going on up in Brisbane at the moment, Matt, because he's, he's mural painter has come. Yeah, she's, she's from Brisbane. You got Ben Hetherington who, uh, from, from the scratch, you got Matt Hoffman. Um, uh, so yeah, it's, it's, they've done pretty well.
0: They, well yeah, I, I, and I'm not sure what it is about Brisbane. Brisbane, a lot of the beer community um, is, peopled or populated or staffed by um, some very creative types. Um, and, you know, that's one of the things that has really driven Bruce Vegas. There are people you know, from the worlds of photography, from the worlds of art, from the worlds of design um, who have been doing it. And I think Brisbane, um, you know, uh, has, has a bit of a saturation point and Melbourne is... A bit of a mecca for people who are very creative. You've got some great creatives down there, and uh, it, it's luring some of them away um, because again, Melbourne just has such an exciting street culture um, for for people who yeah. are creative. And look
1: in, it, in a in a in a broad sort of business sense. Um, looking at this particular model and and ones like it, you've got more strings to your bow. So that you, you've got your um, your uh, your brew pub model, I guess, where not that not that Hendo is going to be brewing. Uh, at the Brewcult bar but he's got that consumer facing opportunity for people to engage with his brand he's got the the food so the hospitality side of things, and then back out the other end still out at at uh, the Dandenong massive he's still got the wholesale um side of things so you 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 continue you have three streams to your income but all being i guess run by uh you know the the same core group of um uh you know resources Yep. Yep. So it's definitely it'll be. We'll, we'll follow it with interest And um, and I'm sure plenty of others Who are either doing it or thinking about doing it Will be watching very carefully as well
0: Cool Well mate we might move on to very quickly Cards and letters, music locking Oh the lonely days are gone. I'm coming home Well my baby, she wrote me a I don't care how much I've got to stay. Uh, nothing uh, nothing uh, on iTunes this week. Remember, listeners, if you do like what we do, uh, you can support us in a number of ways, and one of those is jumping on iTunes, giving us a rating, and uh, letting us know what you think so other people can find us as well. Um, we had one email this week, Prof, um, from Thomas or Thomas Frederick Rowe, a.k.a. The Beer Doctor. Um, yeah, He's Uh lovely letter. Yeah, I enjoy listening to your podcast, especially enjoy the conversation about yeast with the founder of San Francisco Yeast Company. In three days, I turned 61 years of age, and as a long-time seeker of tasty beer over decades back to the 20th century, God, he sounds a bit like us, Prof, um, <laughs> I became quite aware a, a while ago that uh, beer, as Dr. Jim said, uh, when asked about science and art, involves a lot of hard work. As a beer writer, I came from the James D. Robertson Michael Jackson School um, of approach where tasting beer was more important than any popular consensus, but tech, uh, especially because when I first tasted such world-famous brands as Duval, Rodenbach, and Anchor Steam, there was no internet. Do you remember those days, Prof? Uh, sure had a long time tint them, day. <laughs> Just some wonderful folks who contacted me through uh, mail or telephone in the United States, I've seen beer go from imported brands that were scarce and coveted to the microbrew era of the 1990s to the myriad and sometimes crazy creations of artisan inventiveness now permeating the supermarkets and convenience stores in North America. As a beer consultant, I help bar store owners by finding often overlooked brands that I knew about, especially uh, because I did not differentiate between craft and macro. The most important thing to me is whether a beer, whatever its style parameters, actually tastes good. Uh, thus, I've enjoyed beer from all different brewing styles. But enough of this. You can check out my thoughts on the subject at my website, beerdoctor.wordpress.com. And uh, I haven't had a chance, but I will be checking that out. Uh, keep up the good work. I enjoy listening. I'm sorry that my present economic circumstances prevents me from making a donation. With best regards, all the best, Thomas Frederick Rowe, the Beer Doctor. Um, thank you very much for emailing us, Thomas. And that brings up two things, listeners. You can let us know what you think. Correct uh, Correct us. Give us a bit of attitude adjustment or even tell us that you agree with us um, on those few occasions that you do. But you can also support us financially by f- clicking the links in the show notes and uh, either making a one-off donation towards the cost of the show or even make a regular donation, both of which would be very much appreciated. Uh, Prof, anything in that? I, I actually really uh, liked some of the brands that... Um, uh, Tom Thomas, if I can Tom if I can get very familiar um duval Rodenbark um you know the, the the classic beers that when uh, I was first getting into beer, you know were the mark of a good bottle shop, and these days don't necessarily get the love that they uh, otherwise deserve
1: no no exactly um and, and Hendo you know just mentioned you know Rodenbach in cans that that that's a that's a just a, a great product um, duval. As I say, you know, just it's it's the gold standard for, uh, you know, Belgian strong gold nails. Mm. Um, but I, I think in a lot of ways, in the same way now that you'll see somebody post on social media, oh, I went into a par, geez, you yeah, know, best I could do was Little Creatures Pale Ale, which is a great beer. Yeah. Um. Full stop. Yeah. Uh, and so I guess Thomas and yourself and myself, you know, we you can hark back to those days where you wished there was something other than um, your yeah, Great Northern lager style or your, 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 your Carlton Draft or your Two New or whatever
0: it was, depending on where you were. I haven't heard it for a while, but you know, it, it it is interesting to hear, uh, you know, uh, people who have come to craft beer um, in the last, you know, two or three, or who have come to beer in the last two or three years, and they've been, um, you know, excited by the flavour of beer. Um, and they're talking about brewing, uh, you know, beers from modern breweries that are versions of a classic style. And when you talk to them about it, they haven't tried the classic style. So that, you know, they're they're talking about sour beers without ever having tried a classic sour. Um, Mm. Or they've tried a a Belgian uh, beer without ever trying, you know, a Belgian uh, dark beer or a a double, you know, without having tried Chimay, for example, because it's too commercial. Um, You know, and, and I guess it is, To everyone, what they know and what they like. Um, But I think it always helps going back to some of those classic styles. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, Prof, that's the show for today. Thank you. Uh, Good to join uh, with you. Anything? uh, We're still trying to get um, some guests tied up, so we we might not tease next week. We might just sail on out of here on a little bit of uh, polka music.
2: way out.